Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey there, guys. This is Alex Van Houten. We are in Romans 8 tonight in our new breed Bible study. And we're doing things a little bit differently this evening. We just had our discussion with our men from our group on Romans 6 and 7, we did that in a Zoom call as opposed to being in person. We're usually hanging out at the church together in that setting. And then we do our discussion and then we talk through our chapter. And tonight's chapter is Romans chapter 8. We're continuing through the book of Romans. Having gone through chapters 1 all the way through 8, we went through chapters 1 through 3. If you haven't been in Romans in a bit, chapters 1 through 3 are about why we as human beings are not perfect in the sight of God. And, and it brings the conundrum, what is a perfect God supposed to do with imperfect man? It leaves us in a really rough and scary spot. And then in Romans 4, we get the understanding of what the difference between the Jews and the Gentiles were and what legalism was and why it wasn't enough to, to cover us. We couldn't live up to the law. And then we get Romans 5, which is the amazing and powerful message of Christ's sacrifice for us and why it's enough and and how it covers us and covers our imperfections in the sight of God so that we can have peace with God. And then we just discussed Romans 6 and 7, which you you might remember if you're familiar with the book of Romans or even uh, biblical liturgy at all, you might be familiar with the verse, Oh, wretched man that I am, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I do. What am I supposed to do with myself? And that's Paul in Romans 6 and 7 talking through the the war between our flesh and our spirit. And so that brings us to Romans 8. And I'm extremely excited to talk to you guys tonight about Romans 8. If you're new to our study, I uh, myself or Scott Haley will email the the PDF with the questions and, and the walkthrough through these verses. But tonight I'm hoping to give you a decent understanding of of some of my thoughts in reading Romans 8 and, and help to guide you through this particular passage. So I'm going to pray over it and then we'll get started. Father God, thank you for this evening. Thank you so much that we have the technology today that we're able to continue to connect, we're con- able to continue to discuss as men the the words that you've spoken to us through the Bible. Thank you so much for Romans. Thank you for Paul's heart that comes out in Romans. Thank you for the promises that are in Romans. And I thank you so much for Romans 8. And I pray tonight that as I speak, that the, that the words that you want to lay on men's hearts through your spirit will be laid there. We need you in this time, God. And shame on us, as David James would like to say, shame on us 
if we don't grow in this time in you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Romans 8. Romans 8 is a, is a very powerful chapter. And, and as I was saying in the introduction to this, it, it grows on the foundation that Paul's already laid, right? We're not perfect, and we serve a perfect God. So what is a perfect God supposed to do with imperfect mankind? We are condemned to death and hell. However, there is the law. The law wasn't enough because we couldn't follow it. We're not perfect, right? So then there's Jesus, and that's Romans chapter 5. And then there's this war inside of us between our flesh and our spirit that even being covered under the blood of Christ we still we still find ourselves unable to bring ourselves to do the good things that we know we should be doing with ourselves and now we find ourselves in Romans 8 I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight usually I walk through it and I point out some specific things that I want you to pay attention to while we're while we're reading through this chapter so that we can have a great discussion next week I'm actually going to start at the very end of Romans 8 and backtrack my way through the chapter and then we're going to find ourselves in a very little red prophet in uh, in the Old Testament the the prophet Joel and I think it actually is amazingly applicable to what's happening in our world right now in fact when we decided that we we're going to do Romans we obviously didn't know that there was going to be a pandemic in the middle of our study and that we were gonna have to practice social distancing and the stock market was gonna what crumble under us and all of these things but this chapter in in what it hearkens to in my mind is particularly important to us right now. So uh, I, I hope you find that too. I hope as you're, you're reading through the chapter that you find it particularly relevant to what's going on in life right now. Uh, but but backtracking through Romans 8, if you have your Bible, open with me. I'm, I'm going to be reading out of the, the New English Standard Version. Uh, my, my son put a sticker on the front of it. That's that's why it looks all messed up in the front. But hey, uh, worn Bible, strong heart, right? So uh, Romans 8, let's start at the very end. You might know this verse. This is a memory verse from like back when I was a kid, all right? Romans 8, 38 and 39, very, very powerful set of verses. And, and, and Paul ties up the chapter with, with these words. He says, for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, things present or things to come, powers, height, depth, or anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. What, what a comforting and amazing scripture that is. Like if, if you are in a place in life right now where it, it's hard to feel the love of God right now. Uh, maybe, maybe you're in a place where hours are being cut at work. Maybe you aren't able to be around the family members that you need to be around. Uh, maybe you're just, you're just going through it right now. This, this, these two verses, if you don't hear anything else in Romans 8, these two verses are just an amazing comfort because when, when, you, when you look at what happens in Romans, when you look at what happens, what, what the story is, you are an imperfect person. What is a perfect God supposed to do with you? And, and he sends his own son to be the propitiation for our wrongdoings, okay? We're covered. We have peace with God. But not only do we have peace with God, God loves you. God loves you, and when you accept the gift of his son as the sacrifice for your own sins and, and you believe on him, no matter what it is that, that you do and no matter what else goes on in the world around you, these verses 
are an amazing comfort, especially in a time of trouble. So I'm going to read it one more time. I hope you'll, I hope you read this, and, and and if it needs to sit in your heart and needs to be a cornerstone for you right now, that that you'll remember where it comes from. Romans eight thirty eight through thirty nine. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I speak that over you this evening. I speak that over your family. And I pray that you feel the love of God more powerful than anything else that you're going through right now. Now, continuing to backtrack through Romans 8, uh, having spoken that over you, this is this is also a very powerful verse. Again, at my my wife loves she 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 makes signs. I don't know if you've seen this before, but if you come to my house, you'll find these uh, these wooden signs. We've we've done like furing strips in a, in a frame, and then a really like small thin piece of plywood, and and she paints them, and then she actually creates she hand creates these stencils that allow her to to write with a paint pen and she writes verses and she writes quotes and, and whatnot. And and there are some verses that she's written over and over and over again for people that people order. They they order these signs and say, hey, I want I want this word. I want this verse. I want this thing on the wall of my house that I can see it and I can be reminded regularly. And and in Romans 8 we also find another verse. So so I just read Romans 8, 38 and 39 to you. But but here in Romans we also find Romans 8.28. And 8.28 is, is a verse I've heard quoted a lot of times, and, and people really don't, many people don't even know where that came from. And if you understand that it's embedded in, in the most complete version of Paul's theological work in the New Testament, then, then it becomes even more powerful and important. And it points us even further back in the chapter to something important. So ver, Romans 8.28, Romans 8.28 reads, We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called. And I speak that over your household. I speak that over your family. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, God doesn't give you things without expecting amazing things from you. He loves you. He gives you things so that you can grow into the person that he created you to be. He gives you things so that the best can come out of you. That's that's what he made you for. And when when I read this verse and I speak it over you in your household, it's amazing to think many people think of this this verse as a uh, as a as a hopeful thing. You know, when times are rough and uncertain and whatnot, you can you can hang your verse. You know what? I know that all things are going to work for the good of, of those who love God. I hope I'm in that category and who are called according to his purpose. Now, that that last little line there, for those who are called according to his purpose, that carries with it kind of a weight because that means things are going to work out well for you if and when you are about your father's business. That's that's what that all things work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. This reminds me of uh, Matthew 5 when, when Christ is talking to people about how the Father provides for him and, and for them. And he talks about how 
I'm not reading this directly, so I'm, I might misquote it slightly, but, but the, the spirit is there, and that is, uh, look at the lilies of the field. Look how they're clothed. They neither toil nor spin, um, and they're, they're thrown into the fire on the next day. But, but not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed as one of these. And what about the, the birds of the air? They don't have storehouses or barn, but God feeds them. How much more so does he know what you need? And so then he goes on to say, don't worry about tomorrow, because today has enough troubles of its own, O ye of little faith. And so some people would think of that like, well, okay, I don't have to worry. God's got my back. Everything works for the good of those who love God. And, and that's good. That's good for me. It works out well. That's not the whole story, though, because the, the next verse in, in the Sermon on the Mount, the next verse and the next phrase here, all things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Don't forget that part. Are called according to his purpose. All things work for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Similarly, Christ said, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble of its own. But he didn't stop there. He goes on to say, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added to you. And, and as you're reading Romans 8 and you're understanding the, the love of God, how he has you, and, and how nothing can take that from you, nothing can take you from him, so to speak. Nothing, nothing can, can, can keep his promises from being made manifest in your life. But... But there's, there's that, that bit, and it's everything's going to work out well while you're working according to his purpose. Everything's going to work out well. You're going to be fed, and everything will be provided for you when you seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And I think this is an extremely important thing for us to remember right now, because right now, if you know, sometimes, you know, I, I speak to people, and I can say, if you're, if you're, living right now, you're either going through a storm, about to go through one, or just having gotten out of one. Right now, I think it's very safe to say with the things that are going on in the world that every single person listening to this right now, at least at the time of this recording, <laughs> is, is going through something. We have never, in, in the history of, of American history, been through a pandemic a global pandemic that threatened the lives of hundreds of thousands of people and required us to be social distancing at Pizza Hut or to stay in our homes and stuff. We've never been through this in our country. We've never dealt with this before. And you know, apolitically, you can argue here and for about what we should be doing, but the, the point is we're going through something right now. And, and when you're going through something, it's important to remember what promises and what foundations you've built your life on. And for, for many people, this verse is a powerful foundation. The, the, the words of Jesus, not to worry about tomorrow. God knows what you need and will feed you. Those are, those are huge. They're linchpins. They're so important to, to living a, a, a life of, of peace and grace and love. However, don't forget, don't forget the call because the love of God right here we know the things, we know all things work together for the good of those who love God. Those who love God, that's not the end of the verse. The end of the verse says, and who are called according to his purpose. And so my question to you right now, as you are, are diving into Romans and as, as you read this this week, is what purpose does God have for you right now? 
What does it look like in your life right now to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness? In the discussion we had just prior to this on Romans 6 and 7, uh, one of the men in there, David, thanks brother, appreciate you, uh, said this and I, I thought it was really powerful. He's like, we have, we've got so much time on our hands right now. Everybody I talked to, you know, maybe there's, there's less hours at work, maybe there's this thing going on. We have all the time we've ever asked for, right? If I don't grow spiritually right now, then shame on me. If I'm not serving other people right now in my community, if I'm not serving my family, if I'm not growing in those capacities, then shame on me. Because up until this point, my excuse has been, oh man, I just don't have enough time. I just don't have enough time to get into my Bible. I just don't have enough time to call that person up. I just don't have enough time to pray with my kids or whatever. Now you've got time, man. Now you've got time. And so the, the question is, and, and maybe some of us have more time than others. I don't mean to be indicting here. But the, the point is, if you want to cash in on the promise we know all things work together for the good of those who love God, then you, my friend, need to be one who is called according to God's purpose. And, and, and if you're listening to the sound of my voice, and this makes sense to you, you have, you have come under the blood of Christ, you have uh, accepted his sacrifice on behalf of your sin, and you have peace with God, then you are called according to his purpose. The question is, what does that look like every single day in your life? What does that look like every single day in your life? I'm backtracking again further. I don't think Paul intended for me to read his chapter backwards, but it makes sense for what we're going through right now. It makes sense to read it backwards. So I want to point you to verse 18. Verse 18 says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us. So powerful. If, if you remember from Romans chapter 5, Paul speaks about us having peace with God. But then he tacks right on to that. He says, and we will suffer. Because suffering leads to endurance, and endurance leads to character, and character leads to hope. And, and it's... It's, it's so powerful and important. I, I, I love this because we serve a God and, and his messengers don't sugarcoat this stuff for us. He says, you're going to suffer. That's, that's part of the deal. Like, you're going to suffer anyway. That's life. But it gets to mean something. It gets to bring something powerful out of you. And in verse 18 here in Romans, Paul goes on to say that I consider this suffering here in this present time, it's not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Now, as you read through the the chapter of Romans, you could it's it's easy to argue about what that glory actually might be, right? He might be talking about the glory of heaven after this life. He might be talking about the glory of God as God's kingdoms brought here on earth, as Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It could be argued that uh, Paul's talking about glory in tomorrow that will be revealed to you because the deeper you grow in, in Christ, the deeper you get into your spirit as opposed to your flesh, that the world becomes a more vivid, bright, loving, powerful place to be. Who knows? The point is, right now I'm pretty sure most people are suffering in some form or fashion. That's, that's usually true, even when there's not a pandemic afoot. 
the, the question is, where are your eyes? Where are your eyes? Because when you're suffering, your eyes can either be looking down or they can be looking forward. And, and Paul's call here is to be looking forward, maybe even a little up. It's to, to have your eyes forward. Look at what God's bringing into view. Look at what God wants to reveal to you following the suffering. And continuing backwards. Romans 8, 5. And, and this will actually bring us to the prophet Joel momentarily. Romans 8, 5. Paul is, is speaking about, he's building on the idea from Romans 6 and 7, that there's a separation within us of our flesh and our spirit, and they war together within us, okay? Now, uh, I, I don't want to recap everything that we've taught in this Bible study so far, but but winning the war of, of the flesh and the spirit inside of you is not what saves you. It's not the thing that makes you right with God. However, winning the war between flesh and spirit is what opens up bandwidth in your life to do more of God's work here more of the joy of doing your Father's work, more of the power, more of the love, more of the grace of your Father's work here on earth. If, if you're losing the battle between flesh and spirit on a regular basis every single day within yourself, but you're covered under the blood of Christ, you're going to be hanging out with me, singing hallelujah in heaven, or like, you're going to be hanging out with the saints, right? That's good. But if you're going to manifest the best of what God wanted for you here, you're not dead, you're not done, if you are going to manifest that, then the, the war between flesh and spirit is extremely important and a powerful part of you living out, you living out the freedom of Christ here on earth. And so Romans 8, 5, he continues saying, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. Those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. And I was I was convicted by this. I was convicted by this, okay? Because, uh, first of all, look, while, while my business was being hit pretty hard over the last two weeks, and while... Uh, I, I don't, we weren't able to gather for church on Sunday, you know, because social distancing and all that stuff can't have a, can't have a group of 400 people in the, the lobby at New Life Greenbrier, right? Yeah, like that's, that's a problem. Well, while all this is going on, well, uh, uh, the value of my IRA dropped 30% in one week, <sighs> like while that, that stuff's going on, the idea that, hey, let's get together with a group of guys at least and get on a Zoom call and discuss Romans together, that wasn't my first thought. That wasn't the first thing that came to my mind. My my mind was on the things of the flesh. Where's where's my money going? <laughs> Where can I drive today? Who who can give me a break from my one-year-old? Because <laughs> that, that little goober is walking around the house crying everywhere. The things of the flesh, man. I'm I'm in in what stinks is what stinks is it takes me a while. It takes me time and it takes me energy and it takes me a ridiculous amount of just beating my head against the wall before I say, look, dude, you're living in the flesh. Your, your mind's on the things of the flesh. You're missing the things of the spirit. You're missing out on what God has for you. 
in this time, in this in this rough, uncertain, difficult time, there are beautiful and awesome things that he has for you right now, and you're missing them because you're worried about your stupid IRA and you're you're you, you want to go places and you want to do things and, and you, you want to make sure your your business keeps growing and, and you know I I don't mean to throw myself under the bus completely. I'm trying to provide well for my family. I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to be a good father. I'm trying to be a good uh, whatever. I teach children in, in the, the church guy. You know, it's not like I'm, I'm, I'm mad because I'm playing video games all the time and I'm living in the flesh. That's not what I'm talking about here. But what I'm, what I'm saying is Paul makes the point that we have an opportunity to live in flesh or live in spirit. And the things of the flesh, he goes on to talk about the things of the flesh. To set your mind on flesh, this is verse 6, is death. But to set your mind on the spirit is life and peace. And so my prayer, after being convicted here in Romans 8 this week, my prayer was, God, how do I live in the spirit right now? How do I set my mind on the things of the Spirit? What's the process? I'm a process guy. Give me a list, God. What's the list? How do you how do you do that? What's the list of things that I, Alex Van Houten, can do to set my mind on the things of the Spirit in this time? And uh, I had a I had a friend I'm connected to who posts verses kind of like I do, and he posted a verse from Joel. And so, if you have your Bibles with me, flip to Joel. Joel's in the Old Testament. He's one of the minor prophets. He's right after Hosea. If you were with us in our, our previous semester, as we walked through the lives of imperfect men to point to the perfect figure of Christ, it, Hosea was, was one of the prophets that, that we spoke about. Hosea's story is not one you're going to hear in Sunday school. If you haven't heard it lately, I encourage you to go read the book of Hosea. It's pretty powerful. We're not talking about him. We're talking about Joel. And Joel comes right after Hosea. And Joel is a very, very short book in the Bible. It's three chapters long. And it has a really interesting story. Uh, as I understand it, the, the story of Joel comes after a swarm of locusts invade and destroy the crops and livelihood of all of Israel. Okay, so... so it, if you've never if you've never had a garden, you don't understand necessarily what this feels like or what this means. And and it, it's even deeper than that, okay? Because it back in those days, you had you had people who grew food for the entire village. They grew food for everybody, okay? They had their wheat fields and they they had their their I, they didn't have soybeans, but whatever. They they had all of the crops, you know. That it was all there. They had their gre grapes for the vineyard and the wine and whatnot. And and uh, wine was actually a really important part of of staying hydrated. Uh, it wasn't wasn't as concentrated alcoholically speaking, uh, but but it was really difficult to get, get clean water and make sure it was boiled and stuff. So people sipped on wine from wineskins. Like it wasn't just like, oh no, the wine's gone. It's like, hey, the wine's gone. That's a problem, right? It's not it's not just a party thing. It's it's an important thing, right? Um, anyway, all that to say, uh, and, and actually it would have been one of the the important sources of, of antioxidants in their diet. I'm a I'm a hardcore nerd. You don't get citrus in the middle of the desert. Okay, there's no oranges growing in the desert, but you can get uh, some of those anthocyanins and and um, and whatnot from from grapes. So anyway, wine was a really important part of their world too. So the swarm of locusts comes and and wipes out everything. So last season I grew a garden here in uh, 
in Greenbrier, Arkansas. And, and I've, I've gardened in Tennessee. I've gardened in Colorado. All the soils are different. There's stuff you, you need to know about them. I didn't know that there was a such thing as a squash bug. No idea. Never, I've never heard of squash bugs. What the hell? I, what's a squash bug? What the heck is a squash bug? This is a Bible study. Come on, Alex. Flesh, spirit. Anyway, so what the heck is a squash bug? I, I planted all this stuff, and, and everything's going great. It's beautiful. I had my four-year-old in there. Uh, he was three when we planted it, but he turned four, and he was helping me pull the weeds. And you know there's nothing as good as, like, getting a hold of the whole weed, and you pull it out, and there's the root, and you're like, aha, gotcha. And you, you get to throw that away, and, and, and he would do that, and he'd be like, haha, I got the root. Bye-bye, weed. Look, Daddy, I got the root. Yuck, like, yeah, man, you're awesome. So so that was our garden, right? And, and I'll, I'll never forget, we... One day, everything was peachy. We were, the squash was coming after the blooms and stuff. We had beautiful yellow squash all over everything. And and I remember I saw a bug, and I was like, oh, it's a weird-looking, it was like a stink bug. So I killed that and went about my business and stuff. And the next day, the next day, there was like 30 of these stupid little bugs on one of my squash plants. And I'm like, what the heck? I didn't know what it was, so I, I called my uh, called my mother-in-law and she goes those are squash bugs alex you have to you have to get rid of them immediately you need to use seven dust they're going to wipe out your squash plants I'm like well i didn't want to use pesticides because i'm growing my all organic garden um and you know i i looked up and you could spray dish soap and kind of wipe them off and, and maybe they would be fine i didn't i didn't think anything of it i was like all right well they they got one plant i'm gonna try to kill these and and move on the next day all of my squash plants had like 80, 80 of these stupid bugs on them. And it was like a, it was like a plague. It was like a plague of bugs. And, and within the week, they have wiped out all of the all of the squash. Now, that's not as serious as what happened to the Israelites just before the book of Joel. You know, because I could go to Walmart and buy some squash. Well, maybe right now you might not be able to buy toilet paper or whatever. But, but... I can go to Walmart and buy some squash. It wasn't my family's livelihood on the line, but but that happened. That happened. Locusts wiped out everything. They destroyed the crops of Israel. No wine for anybody. No wheat for everybody. It was it was brutal. And in the question was, what does the nation of Israel do now? And the prophet Joel, prophet Joel brings them a word. And and I'm going to read to you just a bit out of the the book of Joel. And I, and I I have a message for you that I I hope you hear. And then I'll close this down here. Joel 1, verse 14. What do you do when the locusts wipe out your crops? What do you do when coronavirus is sweeping through your community? This is the Lord to the prophet Joel. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of your land in, into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas for the day, the Lord is near and destruction comes from the Almighty. Is not your very food cut off from before your eyes? Is not joy and gladness cut off from you in the house of God? Sanctify a fast. God, how do I, how do I, how do I put my mind on the things of the Spirit right now? Uh, he says, he says to fast and pray. He says to fast and pray. That's that's what it says. You can do it or not. That's that's the answer I got. He says to fast and pray. You want your mind on the things of the spirit right now, Alex? Fast and pray. That's what I told the Israelites to do 
when locusts wiped out their livelihoods. Chapter 2. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all of your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents from punishing. Okay? What happens then? What happens when you fast and pray? What happens? Setting your mind on the things of the Spirit. God says, do not fear. O soil, and be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Later in chapter 2, he says, You will again eat plentifully and be satisfied, and then you will praise the name of your Lord, who has dealt wondrously with you. And never again will my people be put to shame, because you will know that I, the Lord your God, am in the midst of Israel, and there is no one like me. So you want to set your mind on the things of the Spirit? Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Seek God with all your heart. And he says, you will again eat plentifully and be satisfied. And, and I'm not reading you the entire book of Joel. It's three chapters long. You could read it in ten minutes if you really care to. I highly recommend diving into this this week along with Romans 8 in your study. But that's not the message I had for you. The message I had for you is this. Because, <laughs> because the message of Joel is not, the locust came, what do you do? You fast and pray, things get better, and everybody's happy. That's not the end of the story. Locusts come, they destroy everything. That turns the heart of Israel back to God through fasting and praying. Things get better. And then God has a call to the men, specifically. He says... This is chapter 3, after things get better. Prepare for war. Stand up, warriors. Let all of the soldiers draw near, and let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords, and your pruning, spears, or your pruning hooks into spears, and let the weak say, I am a warrior. Now, I don't necessarily think that the message to you this evening from Joel is that we're all going to war and we're turning our plowshares into swords. The message is, things will get better. If you fast and pray, you turn your heart to God, you cry out for you, your family, your community, I believe that things will get better for all of us. But it's going to get better for a reason. And that we're not going to get to sit around campfire singing kumbaya. Do you remember the bad time when all this stuff happened? God has something special and important, a mission for you, something special and important to make things better, worthwhile for you. And my prayer for you and your family is that as you're reading through Romans 8, and if you do take the dive into Joel and you spend some time fasting and praying, I pray that God will make that vision known to you, that he'll make that path known to you. What is he preparing you for? What is it that he wanted you to learn from bringing your mind on the Spirit now in this time? What is it that he needs 
from you right now. Because um, to me it sounds like a very firm and strong calling. Prepare for war. Stir up the warriors. Let the weak say, I am strong. My prayer for you and your family this week is that as you're reading these things, that he will make you stronger. That you'll come out of this thing stronger than you went into this thing. Because he has amazing things planned for you. And he's got work for you to do. Bow your heads with me. Father God, thank you so much for this night. Thank you for Romans 8 and thank you for the message that your love is so strong that nothing can take us out from that God. That, that all things work for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose, God. And I, I thank you so much that you give us the opportunity to set our mind on the things of the Spirit. God, I pray that you'll move in the men of Greenbrier. I pray that you'll move in the men of New Life. I pray, God, that if in this time you've called us to a time of prayer and fasting, to seek your face and to seek the goodness of, our, of the land around us again, God, that you'll, you'll lay that on the hearts of the men who hear me now, God. And I also pray that whatever it is that you're preparing us for, because you don't do anything without an awesome plan, whatever wonderful, awesome, marvelous thing that you're preparing us for, God, that you'll lay it on our hearts and let us be ready for it. We love you, Lord. And in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining me, guys. Looking forward to seeing you next.